truth of what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think in the old days, you know, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb, and nothing. Our education system has mined our minds in the way that we strip-mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to China's Education, episode 30. My name is Jack Williams, also known as JC, and I am a business development and marketing manager at Teach to Me in Shanghai. I work in Chinese education recruitment industry, recruiting for international schools and kindergartens across China. On top of that, I organize education job fairs across the key cities in China for teachers and schools. Jack. As a fellow Brit, it's wonderful to have you on the uh, China Jedi <laughs> podcast today. Super excited to have you on. Um, two reasons, really. Number one is we've never really had someone who's a kind of, what should we say, expert in the teacher recruitment realm, uh, as you've just uh, eloquently told us. But number two, we're coming up really to the teacher recruitment time of the year, aren't we? Heading towards the end of 2019, am I right? That's right. That's right. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Chris. Absolute pleasure. Um, I must say, you know, in the next couple of months, uh, it's we've been speaking speaking for a while, but it's been pretty tricky to yeah um, coordinate a time. But we've got there, and um, but yeah, now it's sort of full steam ahead for the next couple of months. Yeah, indeed, it is. You must be a very busy chap. Well, as, as we all are, um, working our way through life, and you being in the big smoke in Shanghai, I think you know the first question <laughs> I always like to ask is, um, what brought you? from from england uh, all the way over to china and where where are you from in england jack yeah great question so um i'm from berkshire i was born and raised in berkshire uh, around the redden area um okay for people that don't know uh uk so berkshire is just southwest of of london and um yeah i i came to china a year and a half ago now so initially right. when i was in the uk i um this is back in uh, 2015 i graduated um, from Bangor University, which is in North Wales, I was studying biology. Um, okay. And when when I when I graduated, I actually took an internship in Singapore um, uh, back in the day. Long story. And uh, <laughs> I mm-hmm. I was there for a couple of months. And during my time there, I met a couple of Shanghai businessmen. Now um, that kind of started. <laughs> yeah. That, that sorry, kind of... sorry, Jack. Hang on a minute. You met a couple of Shanghai. <laughs> Hang on a minute. When we hear that story, we always say, what time of the day did you meet these uh, businessmen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, <laughs> so I, I was working with them on a um, kind of a little... See how he, sorry, see how he didn't want to answer that, listeners. Carry on, Jack. Sorry, I won't... <laughs> 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 time of the day. <laughs> uh, cheeky. But no, no. So all, all civilized, all um, you know, business related. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I was there for a couple of months working with them on a business startup. Um mm-hmm. I didn't do a very good job of it, to be honest. I was a graduate. I made lots of mistakes. But anyway, that kind of started um, my kind of vision of uh, coming back to, to Asia and proving myself. 
Um, okay. And also, I had a, had a quite a lot of friends from university. Um, as a lot of people know, um, Chinese, when they go abroad to university, a lot of them, they choose the UK or the USA, um, which we'll talk about a bit later, I'm, I'm sure, um, because, you know, a lot of Chinese parents, they want their parents, they want their kids to go across to um, get like yeah. an A-level or IB education. Um, and um, then they can go to university in uh, the UK, kind of more more ready and more set up. But even, even if they don't, they will um, go there. Anyway, I met a lot of Chinese there and I had a lot of friends and mm-hmm. they've been telling me for a while, why don't you come out to China? Um, and I forgot about it for a while and I, I moved into something completely unrelated to biology, which was fintech. And I did that for a few years. And then I finally thought, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to go explore, go travel. And I have a lot of friends in China and I'm curious about it and I want to go back and prove myself. So uh, then I made the decision to come here and uh, I chose a teaching job. Okay, right. So that's what brought you to Shanghai, yeah? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I was working with um, a company called EF that I'm sure a lot of people uh, are aware of. I, I tell good... you what, I've spammed them. I've spammed them because I, I don't know <laughs> how they get hold of this information. It's like those terrible financial advisors, a lot of which are in, in Shanghai. They get past your number and they keep phoning you up. It's one of those oh, ones, yeah. you know, Jack, where you yeah. just want to get rid of them because like, you've got a class or something and they still keep talking. And you actually have to say to them, I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude to you, but you won't actually let me go off this yeah. call. So I'm <laughs> going to have to be rude to you. And I'm oh, certainly no. not going to invest my money into you either. Anyway, we've been sidetracked. So you came on English first. <laughs> yes, we know about that machine. You dropped mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Shanghai. And, and, and what kind of, how did that lead you? You know, was there a problem with the job kind of thing? Or should I say it was sold you as something and it wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they've got a bit of a reputation, I must say. But we'll... Um, um... <laughs> Well, uh, we'll stop it at I did. Yeah, mum's a word at, on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I did 11 months at EF um, and it was it was an experience to say the least. Um, right. But I, I was very confident that wasn't for me. And I wanted to go back into um, a sales, a sales role or um, basically like a, a business development or um, yeah. more of an administrative role. And so when it came to um, education recruitment, if I'm honest, I sort of fell into it because um, I was at EF. And this was back in uh, back in like February, and um, I was looking for the change. Having had a lot of um, interesting things happen to me back in 2018, um, so I was looking right. to make a change quickly. And um, I, I came across a role working at my current company um, on a WeChat group, actually. And um, the power of WeChat, as you know, for people that yeah. don't live in China, WeChat's completely changed the way people live. Um, and yeah, uh, I yeah I, I went for the interview, went for a couple of interviews, found a job, and then I was thrown straight into the deep end. We had a couple of um, amazing China, uh, which is the name of the the job fair that my company organises, um, jo- job fairs in Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Chengdu. So I had to go um, bish bash bosh, had to knock three out the park, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> travelling all over the place. And I honestly, I was very fresh into the uh, recruitment industry um, and I had to learn really quickly and so I've been doing this for um, almost seven months I think around seven months in 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 China and I've had to basically pick up from scratch learn on my own um, with my boss not speaking Chinese uh, sorry not speaking English either I don't really have a right. mentor or any support so I had to just basically crack on with it and um, 
figure it all out. And uh, well, yeah, I've been there since. Well, yeah, good good story, Jack. And I mean, we have so many guests on here that say exactly the same. They got to the job and they were just thrown in the deep end. Um, and then, of course, there's two types of people. There's there's one that drowns and, and one that kind of works out how to swim. So that's what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and But, you know, why we had you on, you know, you might be new to this game, but, you know, China's a fast track place and you can go from A to D before you have to go B to C here. Uh, as I'm sure the listeners will know. So I'm sure, and I know there's a lot of knowledge that you're going to talk about today, which will be interesting to teachers um, in and around China. So, um, Jack, before we go on to that, I just want to bring you back a little bit. In terms of England, because I always like to ask this of our guests, how how were you educated? Did you did you go to a, you know, a normal government school kind of thing, primary school, did secondary school, then went to uni? Uh, so for me, I started off, um, I, I grew up, all around Berkshire. If anyone knows Bracknell, I went to a school, um, basically a private school uh, near Bracknell okay. uh, called Lambrook Haleybury. It's changed its name now. But uh, I went there. I, I was there from the ages of four to 13. Um, I started mm-hmm. boarding when I was um, around nine or 10. I started boarding, uh, boarding, sorry. And from there, I went to another school in Pambourne um, near Oxfordshire called uh, Bradfield College. And I was there for four years. And then I left there and then I went to um, a government uh, government owned um, day school, which was quite a jump. It was a very different uh, kind of daily schedule. Um, right. I had to basically uh, I undertook a level curriculum. I had to retake a few when I joined the new school, and then from there I went to Bangor University to study biology. Yeah, to do um, biology. And yeah, then I was there for three years. And Bangor's uh, Bangor's a special place too. I've got. Well, well, hang on. Well, yeah, let's let's not. We could do a whole show on Wales, Jack. Um, isn't it? Wasn't it lovely for you? Um, but but um, but let's move back. Um, and well done to them in England, of course. In the rugby, couldn't get over the last bit, of course. But anyway, swiftling back. Now you went to boarding school. Um, and and so what what happened there? Why did you finish boarding school? Uh, if you don't mind me asking. Oh, was it um the year early? Well, I had to um I had to leave a year early. To be honest, um, that was because. Um, some financial troubles I had in my family okay. um, so we had to we had to leave that school uh, a year early and then I went to um, yeah government-owned state school a very good school by the way called Maiden Early in, in Reading. Right I see I mean uh, it, hey these 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 things happen and um, I find these challenges can actually make you a, an even better person I, I went to boarding school I was just thinking I, I was in boarding school when I was eight um, oh, wow. Millfield, Millfield Boarding School, if anyone oh, knows, yes, the best yes, yeah, schools in the world for sport. Um, but I was far too young, I, I, I really, and I can always remember, you know, you had an English assignment and you had to write about a memory. Um, that was always yes. the one I wrote about, seeing my mum and dad drive away. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah. About a year. But funny enough, sorry, this isn't a podcast about me, uh, but I've got to just put this in. Oh, I don't think I've ever mentioned it. I'm an avid Liverpool supporter and <laughs> I was a mad supporter. <clears throat> of John Barnes he was like my idol and uh, I, I remember at boarding school we were all in this dorm single beds uh, boys and uh, next to it you had a little clipboard and had John Barnes you know all over the the, the board and stuff yeah. and to me next to me uh, in the bed next to me was Fraser Souness who was the youngest son of Graham Souness who was of course a famous Liverpool captain midfielder and at the time was the manager of Rangers and I met him he came down to pick Fraser up on a helicopter Jack as you do um, <laughs> and of course I left that year not knowing after I shook his hand that he was going to become the manager of Liverpool oh, there you go. and he completely me- ruined them didn't he, when he was there um but anyway better player than manager for sure so boarding school <laughs> I 
but a good a good experience for you and i always say you know i went to a you know village school and a in a and a grant maintain school and a boarding school and you know you mm. meet lots of people and i think it does make you the person you are today you know these these things so yeah, yeah, um sure. good, good stuff jack so that was that favorite teacher in all of those experiences is there one that sticks out i do have a few teachers in mind um there was one actually, and he was one of the motivators for me to decide becoming a teacher because um, I, re I remember back in um, in uh, that was in Bradfield College. That was my the boarding school I was at. And my last year was my history teacher, and um, he was 24, so he was my age when I became a teacher. And he was just like super down to earth, um, really smart guy. Um, and I always remember I finished my GCSEs and I came into um, uh, Lower sixth, yeah, lower sixth, when I started my year. Yeah. And I remember he came over and shook my head and said, like, yeah, well done. And I always remember that in the back of my mind. He said, well done, because I only got a B, but he, he just, that positive reinforcement at that point, um, I just remembered it for my whole life. And it was just a really genuine, Weird, good handshake. Yeah. And um, it, yeah. That, that motivated me, you know, that, re that really motivated me. So I took that forward and I wish there were more teachers like that who would, you know, no matter what the grade, no matter, you know, no matter, um, you know, how yeah. like, you know, weak the performance or how strong the performance, they will genuinely try and reinforce and motivate you moving forward. So, yeah, that always st stood out. And his name's uh, Mr. Sullivan, Dominic O'Sullivan. And he um, happens to be, I can't remember if it's he's the nephew or he's the cousin of uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Um, no. We're yeah. bringing out all the sports stars today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, he's wow. classic name. Yeah. Right, there but, you go, Mr. Sullivan. Is he still teaching today? Do you know? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. You know, I haven't stayed in touch uh, since I left school. Um, really, yeah. I, I, I didn't really stay in touch with anyone at my my last well, school. So here's an incentive, then, Jack. When you go back That's in the right. summer, send him the podcast. I agree with him yeah. give him a nice big heads up now wonderful stuff so that that's really good and again i think all those listening it really shows the power of words and very small actions when you're young mm -hmm. um the, the mm -hmm. teachers uh, you know real figureheads can have on on our young so yeah very important job um okay let's fast forward then we're in shanghai well you are i'm not and um and you're working for this mm -hmm. company now the fairs are called amazing teaching right did you say it's uh amazing china yeah amazing china yeah Mm -hmm. And but the the fairs are different to the company name, isn't the the company name's called Teach Dem, right? How how do you yeah. pronounce that? It's quite confusing, I have to admit. When I when I joined, and I'm trying to explain it to people, uh, Teach Demi, and um, I think some people might cite it as slightly, you know, I don't want to say it, but some people have mentioned, oh, that's that's quite, uh, you know, it's an interesting name. You know, is that like Chinglish? And I was like, no, 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 it's just teach, teach Demi. Teach Demi. Well, I'm going to be very direct with you, Jack. Um, when <laughs> I saw it, I thought it was either a typo or you're going for a kind of slangish kind of effect. Well, all right, mate, you're going to teach them, are you? You know, and, and just taking the T and the H off. Um, now, of course, that's all fine and very dandy. But, of course, when you're actually running a teaching business, I'm sure having the right, correct English um, phraseology would work. So what does D Demi mean then? Because, of course, Demi, to me, means half. Um, um, so w what does it mean? What's it, <laughs> what's it in there? I actually think it's, when I listen to it, teach Demi. It's like, yeah, teach them. Teach them. Maybe like teach them. It's, Maybe it's it's like uh, when when my uh, my founders they wanted to create a new name 
um, they they thought, okay, they're teaching them. The community is is teaching them. Them being the the, the students, the the, um, the younger generations. That's my take on it. But I didn't really look into it too much. I just thought, okay, uh, this is China. Um, there's funny names coming up all over yeah. the place. Um, well, it's just yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. There's you know they're kind of running out of names, so they have to think of something new and maybe something that <laughs> okay. stands out. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't actually know that my silly joke of it being slang was actually true. Um, so we're swiftly, <laughs> swiftly on. And I, I think that's very much the point I, I, I want to go into here. You, you've alluded to the fact that this is a Chinese company um, mm. from Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's a few facets to what you do. You're the business development marketing promotions guy and uh, on the case with this. The thing is, I want to know in terms of the schools that you work with, because it's a Chinese organization, are you dealing with, shall we say, Chinese schools? Or are you also dealing, and you have on your books, what I would call international schools? Now, now let me make that more clear. Um, in mm -hmm. my mind, China, and, and you know, there are apparently, I've done a little bit of what my research has done, a little bit of research on this, Jack. There's around a thousand international schools in China, mm. which mm -hmm. is more than mm -hmm. any other country in the world. But all the listeners are going to say, but hang on a minute, Chris, they're not real international schools. So here is my chunk, a late league table analysis. Premier League, you've got your, you know, your proper international schools, international curriculums. Only foreign passports can go to them because if, if not, you wouldn't be able to teach the curriculum um, from, you know, from uh, kindergarten up to uh, GCSEs. Mm -hmm. Then they're, they're they Premier League and they play the packages and they pay for your kids and, and, you know, it's great professional development and they bring you over here and la di da di da And there's obviously families of schools you can go around different parts of the world in. They'd be your Liverpools and your, you know, ugh, unfortunately, your Manchester cities. And then, of course, in the, in the, what I'd say is lower in that division, Jack, you've then got other international schools, which, OK, might not be as prestigious or as well known as or branded, I, I'm not going to come out with any names here, but still mm -hmm. offer international American or British or Canadian, Australian kind of curriculum. And mm -hmm. then lower we go down to the bottom reaches of the table, we then have what I call the semi quasi carpet as you walk into the school that says international on it but it's very far from international mm. um, it's, it's very much about tokenism um yes we do an international curriculum <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, here are our teachers all smiling and, and a nicely caucasian face or whatever and and then below that below that kind of quasi semi chinese international school you have your chinese public schools and the Chinese public school, who also now, of course, hire foreigners, um, they would say suggest they run an international or an English based program. So mm. is that clear what I've said? You've got the, the top, the middle and the bottom. And I, I really want to know in terms of you guys, a Chinese company, where are you? What area are you working in? Are you doing it all or are you just doing? Yeah. Is that clear? Yeah, that's that's clear. Um, quite a good breakdown there, too. There's um, like you said, I think especially. Uh, across uh, Shanghai, places like Shenzhen, Guangzhou, uh, Chengdu, um, even Hangzhou, and you look across even uh, places like Changzhou and uh, North and Dalian, they will have different levels of prestige. And the same thing exists in the UK. You have like tier one, tier two, tier three, private schools. And the schools that we work with really can be a broad range. But when you mentioned like me as an individual doing the, the BD and the marketing and engaging mm. with the different schools. 
I will typically focus on those international, um, the big names, maybe even bilinguals too. And I will look to try and engage with the foreign senior representatives in those schools. So I'm looking to engage with the key principal or the HR director who may or may not be Chinese or foreign. Um, but if they are um, the HR director, they usually have a very good grip on English. In fact, they will have a good grip on English. So I can communicate them without the need to speak Chinese, which I must admit, my Chinese is very minimum. I'd say perhaps I could pass an HSK too, but uh, I must admit with my, my job, I have to communicate in English all the time. And sure, sure. With my, my, uh, my boss, um, my director, um, he's a guy called Jonathan, he's a Chinese guy, and uh, another chap called Roy. These, these two gentlemen, they are in charge of the uh, BD as well alongside me, but they engage with uh, majorly the, um, the, the Chinese um, HR representatives. So often what you find with international schools across China, they will typically always have a foreign, foreign principal. And like you, you mentioned, you have low, kind of lower tiers, and I'm not saying um, this is the norm across all, but you know you'll find mm -hmm. perhaps the bilingual schools or the the kind of more um, uh, local-based international schools where they have more Chinese stuff, they will typically have mm -hmm. a, a Chinese principal. But what a lot of yeah. the Chinese parents are looking for, they're looking for schools where they have foreign principals because this is where you will will have more um, exposure to international education, more experienced teachers who are experienced in A-level or IB, um, you know, um, um, mm. MYP, PYP, so I'm forgetting my acronyms. To summarize that, I will look to engage with the school principals or headmasters um, who are typically either American, British or South African Occasionally, oh yeah, also Canadian and occasionally Australian. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Jack, break it down again. The facets of your business are, number one, you do job fairs, okay, which we'll go into mm -hmm. in, in a minute where, where prospective um, teachers can come and visit and they can meet different um, schools around China, international or, you know, semi-international mm -hmm. or, or Chinese, mm -hmm. so to speak, bilingual. Uh, mm -hmm. And then on, on the other side, do you actually do recruitment in terms of you find a, a position for someone and, you know, there's, you're like, act like an agent um, to a school and, 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 and do you do that too? Or is, is there anything else to add to that? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I will look to build a relationship so when you're doing recruitment before you actually recruit for a school you have to have an agreement in place like a recruitment agreement um, which is a party um, promises to provide um, teachers or candidates to be party the school b party school mm -hmm. promises to pay party a um, a recruitment fee for the services and the headhunting services and depending on your agreement and depending on company to company um, you have big companies like Search Associates, and yeah. they have been around for, well, I think, basically almost uh, 20, 30 years. I think they started in 1993. And companies like Search Associates, they, if you look at their, their leadership team or their team as a whole, they all typically come from leadership positions in education. So a lot of them were previously school principals or in leadership positions, and then they've transitioned later on in their career into a recruitment role at Search Associates. So it's quite a prestigious company, in fact, mm. very prestigious. And 
a lot of schools would choose to trust them as their recruitment agent. And, sure. you know, they might even handle the end-to-end process. So they might even have full control of the recruitment for a particular international school, whereby they are the decision maker and whether that person is the principal for the school. Whilst mm-hmm. with me and my recruitment, especially I think early on in my career, and me still developing um, experience in the industry and also developing my own uh, skills and reputation i think a lot you know when i'm recruiting for schools i will do like a first round interview but ultimately the the school will always have to do their own interview and they're the decision maker in the end you know so i don't have full control over the process and also um, there's a lot of things involved around china with uh, visas and visas mm-hmm. are also a very um complicated and hot topic among um, you know, for foreigners, the amount of times you hear your mates talk about, oh, my visa runs out X, you know, X, Y, Z day, or I have to fly back to Hong Kong and get a tourist yeah. visa and re-enter the country. You know, um, it's um, yeah, it's it's a uh, what's is, is there like a idiom for that in in English? It's just a, it's a <laughs> I think box of chocolates or so, something. You don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think the word is just visa. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just says yeah. it all. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's tons of listeners who've gone through all that. Um, and, and again, it's a whole podcast in itself. So, OK, so I, I get the idea. Um, I, let's focus on uh, the job fairs, if you don't mind me asking, Jack. Yeah, um, because because yeah. you've got a you've got a few coming up now, of course, we're in the season. So hit, hit us with that. Your company's been doing the job fairs for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does it work? Where does it work? Um, yeah, give us your give us your spiel on that because it's uh, sure. it's interesting stuff. And I mean, are there other companies also doing it, Jack? Or are you kind of one of the main providers of this market of doing these mm-hmm. China-based mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. fairs? Uh, there are a few companies doing it. I right. mentioned before, Search Associates, and those. I mean, they're in, they're international, aren't they? They're they're they're, they're yeah. the big guys, um, and you yeah, pay for it too, fish. and they're very professional. But but yeah, I mean, kind of within China, you know, in the, the domestic market. Yeah, so in the domestic market, we are, that's where our USP comes in. So mm. um, I've been asked this question before. Why would we come to your job fair rather than uh, go to Thailand to these the, such associates? And the question is, yeah. the answer is, hey, yeah, you know, we've only been doing these fairs for two years compared to a company which has been doing it for a long time. But our USP is that we're dedicated and focused on the Chinese industry only. Yeah. We're not focused on any other industry. We're only focused on China. And um, whether you might look at that as a, a strength or a weakness, for me personally, I look at it as a strength because our attention is fully committed and our service level is committed to um, China. So we're not looking to place um, matchmake teachers abroad here or um, away. We're looking to match them within China. And our job fairs are dedicated to within China only. So all the schools that come to our job fair are operating within China. And we will do job fairs across uh, the different regions. So north, south, east, west. So for north, we're going to be in Beijing. Uh-huh. That's next Saturday. So oh, here we Saturday, go. Let's, let's get this out. Let's get that out. So next Saturday. So give us a date as well, Jack, because, um, you know, podcasts can be. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go for it. I'll, um, actually, this Saturday, sorry, I'm getting my weeks mixed up. So this Saturday on the 9th, I'm going to be in Beijing. So for there all you go, of you, 9th November. Yeah, 9th November. It's going to kick off at 10 a.m. and will be finished at 4 p.m. So for those that are in the in the region, whether you're in Tianjin or you're in Beijing and you've got the Saturday off, uh, please 
please come through to the event and we're going to have this time between 11 and 12 schools so it's not a mighty big job fair but you're going to have the opportunity to meet some um, awesome awesome schools I'll give a few names out uh, Canadian International School of Beijing AD school and uh, Beijing number 80 and hopefully um, Limai American School will come through. There's going to be a few kindergartens too, smart kids, eating kids, mm-hmm. and um, a couple a couple more names I've forgotten off the top of my head. But yeah, come through. You have a first round interview. And sorry, Chris, you go ahead. I'm, I'm no, I was just Vandals. I was just thinking because the, the researchers are looking at me through the glass and they're putting their head up, you know, hands on their neck like to chop not you off but i think what they're saying is they're saying is that when this will go out probably will be past the 11th of november so unless people <laughs> listen to this podcast can wind time back um they won't be able to make that so give us the give us the other ones because that's beijing right. on the 11th i know you're coming down to guangzhou aren't you because i saw yep. an advert on wechat so when's that when are your other ones sure so the guangzhou one that's going to be on a sunday on the 24th of this month and the 24th that's... of november guangzhou yeah, that's almost three weeks away, just under okay. three weeks. And then we're going to be in Shanghai again, our hometown, on the 7th. That's a Saturday of December. Okay, awesome, And that's going to be the big one, the big one. I'm hoping we can meet face-to-face on the Guangzhou one, because we're down in the south in, in Guangdong here in Zhuhai. So let's Ooh. try and try and make that happen you can send me a china jedi paid uh, luxury taxi for me and my researchers <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you there for champagne and scrambled egg and salmon in the morning um okay now you know now you've listed some 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 schools and i have mm. to say i received a link the other day from a friend of mine who's also a teacher mm-hmm. and, uh, and i opened it up and i couldn't believe who i saw but uh, Jack himself there with a microphone <laughs> interviewing somebody in one of your previous fairs. And I thought, oh, I know Jack. We'll be getting him on the podcast. So you're mm. famous already down in these parts, Jack. <laughs> but but what, what I wanted to say was I looked at the – there was a lot of schools that you're going to be having for the Guangzhou event, much more than 12, I have to say. Um, and, and as I look through them, I've got to say, to be honest, going back to my league table, that these schools were what I would call your bilingual – uh, semi-quasi Chinese international mm. schools. Now, now, listeners, I, uh, take it. I, I'm not discriminating and I'm not saying they're bad schools because I don't know. I haven't been to them. I don't know how their management works. I don't know their ethos, their organizational values. I have some experiences of working in what I call semi-quasi schools. And, and then mm-hmm. it's a bit freeing um, what's kind of going on in them. Um, and so I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, why... And, and I think this, I could probably answer this for you, but I'm not seeing, um, let's name call here. I'm not seeing um, Harrow. I'm not seeing Wellerton. I'm not seeing uh, QSI. I'm not seeing Dulwich. Um, is that because, and I put these towards the top of the league table we talked about earlier, that they're such prestigious schools, Jack, with a long history of recruiting. The mm. teachers take stay quite a while and therefore probably with the school of families that they have they they really go to recruiting from from the back end you know the, mm. the current teachers we have in the system so therefore if you spoke to them and i'm sure you have you're about to tell me they say we don't really need your services would, would i be right in that oh spot on chris so okay. good, that's that's a that's a really good question and uh, one that came up recently um not the question itself but that um that result the the same thing you said basically they're coming back to me and saying oh um you know i don't think the 
the candidates are fit for our school. In fact, there was one gentleman, I, I messaged him, and he's uh, representing Wickham Abbey. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Wickham Abbey. And they are opening up a school in Hangzhou, and they've also got one in Changzhou. And Wickham Abbey, uh, they basically do their recruitment uh, in, at Wickham Abbey back in the UK. And yes. they'll be working with some, some big names for recruitment. And funnily enough, he, he said to me, I know just based on our requirements that we're not going to need it. And I was like, okay. So I turned away. And then somehow, I don't know how, one of my um, Chinese colleagues, they got in touch with the, the company that owns Wickham Abbey. So for those who don't know, a lot of British or American in, international schools or prestigious schools based back in um, the West, they will license with some Chinese um, entrepreneurs or some Chinese education groups to bring that brand to China. So, for example, like you said, you said Wellington College. Um, Wellington College is initially um, a school based in Berkshire, and that's actually 15 minutes away from where from I was late. brought up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was shocked when I came to China and I'm, I see all these different names. I was like, well, where did this come from? Well, basically, a lot of the... Chinese entrepreneurs or education groups, they sent their kids or they went to these schools when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And as they grow older, they they want to bring those names across back into China, especially with yeah. the, the huge boom in education. Um, but off topic, I went a bit off topic there. Yes, you're spot on. They they do say that. But we have actually got Wellington College. They've, they're coming to the Shanghai Job Fair. And Wickham Abbey, I'm not sure if they're coming to Beijing or Shanghai, probably the Shanghai job fair, but Wickham Abbey, their representing group will be coming to uh, Shanghai. And uh, Harrow, yeah, Harrow, they, they didn't come. So maybe next time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it earlier, really. Uh, you know, you're up, if you look at in business, your opportunity to be successful in your recruitment, you, you really you are up against a lot of big um, you know, ISIS. I think mm. one of is that ISS, not ISIS. ISS. <laughs> oh, cripes! Oh, They're causing a right explosion in the teaching market. Right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's terrible. Remove that. Um, just big silly. Um, don't take anything seriously. Right. Well, not from me anyway. Um, but 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 so okay. So we understand that. But I think your USB, as you said, China focused, and you've got a massive market. I mean, we alluded to somewhat thousand mm. schools, so you've got mm-hmm. a lot of growth potential. And I think. In a way, uh, the teachers for these roles, compared to teachers that are hired from England for Wickham Abbey and places like this, are a very different kettle of fish, um, I, mm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a different skill set, so to speak. That doesn't mean that, you know, a teacher from that school can't go in that school. But I think it's a very different experience. Um, mm. The systems are a lot more in place. I mean, when you said earlier the license, you know, the, a Chinese entrepreneur or something will license um, a school uh, very much um, and, and we look at what Harrow actually we have a, a really interesting pod coming up soon uh, here's a little uh, preview listeners from a, a person who works for Harrow very high up um, about their um, uh, you know their rollout which is going to be massive over the next few years I have to say in China it's uh, really interesting mm. and what they're trying to do uh, you know it's a huge I think first of a kind experiment that hopefully will be very successful but we'll leave that till that podcast but th- a lot of them actually franchise as well um, mm-hmm. which would be the same idea as what you're saying. And I just think, you know, then there's the kind of, well, how much 
<laughs> how methodical is the franchising? Is it just here's the name, here's the board, and here's you know some exams that we take, or is it you know are the managers on the floor? Are they sending over key trainers and stuff that are actually integrating into the school for certain periods of time to make sure that you know that Wickham Abbey really is a kind of a Wickham Abbey? Obviously changed a little bit and adapted. You have to you know like any international marketeer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm market so it's a really interesting time at the moment in china isn't it um Jack? absolutely um as a recruiter absolutely, yeah yes. and as a as a teacher so you know and i think if you're a teacher and you, and you want to make good development in your career and money and i think this is the time to be here uh, mm-hmm. and the, the the main reason i and i want to go to this as well visa requirements um it is becoming an absolute nightmare is it not china wide for teachers mm. abroad um, let alone teachers already here um, to get visas, Jack. I mean, tell me the issues, because in a way, I think that increases the opportunity for teachers already on the ground here who have those working visas and have passed the checks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bottomless bag of issues, really. And like you said, for the people that are really well qualified or they have um, certifications, uh, legalization, that they're, they're going to really benefit from you know the next few years in education and they already have been but especially for the the new government policies that are coming in place and that have been uh, consistently coming into place the last few years um if you go back maybe like even a couple of years or three four five years even before i came here the visa Mm. requirements were a lot more relaxed and in the last year and a half that i've been here i've seen a lot of different changes um, one of them being now that you need to have two years work experience in whatever field you're doing in order to apply for a visa. So, for example, for me, if I wanted to work in sales, I needed to get a reference letter from my previous company proving that I have two years work experience and I need to get the original copy signed and sent over here. So I had to pay 100 US dollars to get uh, my, you know, my... Um, original two-year reference letter sent over here. Mm. So for a lot of people, it's an issue. It comes from one, I'll highlight a few. So let's bullet point a few requirements you need for your visa as a teacher. Okay, good, good. So first of all, what you need is you need um, a criminal background check, a non-criminal background check, might I say. And Mm -hmm. what happens after you've got that check from the the police force, whether it's in the UK, US, South Africa, wherever you're at, you need to get it legalized. Now, to get it legalized, yeah, that's also... um, that's another kind of basically hoop you have to jump through. You have to go to the consulate in your country. Um, I can't remember if it's the Chinese consulate or the, the British consulate. I think it's the Chinese consulate. And you need them to yeah, legalize the, the document. One. That's right. Yeah. Is it, is it the Chinese one? I can't, can't remember. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's the Chinese one. You need to basically what's called a, a, a notarize it. Um, yes. and, yes. uh, yeah, so there's, there's that scenario. Yeah. That's, that's been another extra leg, um, to the table that's needed to be put in place. Um, a, a, any, any, anything else, Jack there on top yeah, of that? Um, on top of that. So you need to have, um, a TEFL or a TSL or a CELTA, any sort of, um, teaching certificate proven that you have undertaken a course of teaching. And depending on the school requirement, you would either have to have a something like a PCGE, which is a postgraduate yeah. in education, or um, you know perhaps even you have I think you have different levels of PCGE and you know different levels, but you would need to have some teacher qualification or certification, or be a registered teacher back in your own country, depending on which school and how prestigious they are. And 
for the basis mm. jobs, like the basic ESL jobs, really what you need is a non-criminal background check, legalized, um, a degree, a bachelor's degree, and that needs to be legalized. And then you need to have a TEFL and that needs to be legalized. And now nowadays, a lot of schools are requiring two years teaching experience, but that can vary from company to company. Um, actually, as a uh, talking about this, just the the difference between say having a TEFL or a CELTA and an actual teaching license, uh, you know, they're very different. You can do a TEFL in probably a couple of hours now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it, but but I mean, I think that can tell as well. It can set a school apart if they just accept CELTA or a TEFL. Uh, um, you know, then you kind of know what level you're going in there, Jack. Whereas if you know they need QTS. Uh, yeah, qualified teacher status, um, you know, or, or a proper, uh, sorry, I use the word proper, but an actual official, yeah, you know, mean. yeah, then, then I, I think it says a lot about the school as well. Yeah. Um, I'm Absolutely. just, I'm just also, I'm, I'm interested to, to let you know, cause I've done all this as a teacher here. Um, there's a company in Guangzhou based in, in, in Guangzhou that does legalize your degree for you, which does prevent a lot of, saves a lot of money. It's called the Ministry of Education Study Abroad. Research is just getting this up for me. Uh, I'm going to give the I'm going to give the web address because you pay like 300 um, RMB, Jack. You you upload mm-hmm. your documents, and then what they do in Guangzhou, they contact the university um, wherever it is in the world and verify that you have actually done that degree. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, so here it is. It's uh, as a Chinese website, so it's a little bit fluffy here. So it's it's Renjung, uh, Renjung. So R E N z-h-e-n-g dot c-s-c-s-e dot e-d-u dot c-n gosh all right there you go That's uh, the great the great thing with a podcast is they can rewind it and listen to that again and that will take you to the page listeners where you can get your degree not your teaching license i'm afraid but your degree (laughs) or bachelor's um officially legalized and you don't have to go to the consulate and things like that in england or pay an agent as i've done for the other stuff so so Mm. so that's that's really interesting now i want to bring up something on this requirement because this is an issue and and i've seen it personally um if a teacher has all those qualifications jack but is not from england australia um Mm -hmm. america um, uh, perhaps South Africa, uh, you know, the, the native English speaking countries, they are at a disadvantage, especially if they look Asian. Mm. Would you agree? hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue for me, especially when I first entered this, um, this job, when I would go to the job fairs and uh, I have plenty of really well qualified teachers coming from all around the world. I mean, literally everywhere, all, all across the world, whether it's Portugal or Egypt or, you know, the native speaking countries speak perfect English, but based on their passport or based on the color of their skin or based on um, even their accent, based on, you know, their appearance, they, yeah, they they would not be um, viable for um, a lot of the teaching jobs in these international schools. And, and I mean, well, yeah, I mean, hold up on the word international, because I, I really feel that yeah, for me, that's discrimination. Um, it, oh, I can't see another yeah. way of it there. And, uh, you know, a lot of countries, of course, wouldn't be allowed. Now, again, I, I, I would say for those out there um, and I have very close people who have gone through this problem, um, perfect teachers, perfect English um, is mm-hmm. the fact that there are opportunities still. But again, I think you really need to, to go for those 
uh, top of the league table schools that are worldwide because I think if you look at their you know policies for recruitment um, and employment uh, very much it never states that you have to be uh, from a certain country but what it will say Jack is in small print is that your degree and things like that have to be from a native English speaking country yeah and, and I yeah, think yeah. that's fair um, and, and so that's how it plays out. But certainly with the semi-quasi, middle of the table, bottom of the tables, you're going to be dealing with this, um, sad to say, but discrimination. Mm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just, just the way it is. That's the market. And uh, like it or leave it, I suppose. So that's that. That's that's very um, honest uh, to, 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 to agree with that, Jack, because that really is what you're seeing out there on the ground, too, um, as, mm-hmm. as I am as well as, as, as a teacher. Now, now, Jack, before we go, can you give our teachers out there you know being in the recruitment game any tip you know one big tip for them to kind of get their house in order to really you know make the most most of these job fairs or you know potential job interviews that they'll be going to over the next um, course of the month so first of all before you begin uh, looking for a new job in china what i do is i suggest you go online and i i suggest you look at the available schools and pick out a region in china that you want to teach in now, there's a, few, there's a few regions where you've got a high concentration of international schools, uh, that being um, kind of the west side of China with Shanghai and Hangzhou. Um, you've got Beijing, obviously, and then you've got um, in the south, you've got um, Guangzhou and Shenzhen, um, even Dongguan, where, where I think you're based in that area, aren't you, Chris? Yeah, close, very close. Yeah. Yeah, and then Chengdu is an up-and-coming market. Um, that's where a lot of schools are growing. So choose that location you want. Do a bit of research into where you want to work. I think that makes a big difference um, in the quality of life. For example, a lot of people, they want to go down to Guangdong because the climate's a bit warmer um, and that's mm. also quite thriving um, economical area. Mm. And once you've decided a location, look at the schools that are available in that area. Now, once you've had a look at the different international schools or um, you know, education groups, you need to pick out one uh, which, you know, for example, you know, you're looking at uh, Wellington College International. You've got to look at the requirements for those schools. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the UK or you're um, within China, depending on the situation, make sure you have all your documents ready. So get your um, TEFL certification, make sure it's legalized. Get your criminal background check, make sure that's legalized and make mm. sure you have one which hasn't expired. A lot of people, they they fall short in the visa process because they don't realize. So make sure all your documents are ready and make sure you've checked out the requirements. And once you've actually got um, all, everything ready and you've decided which schools you want to apply for, um, go on the website, find the HR, find the phone number and just try give them a call. Like just give them a call and say you want to speak to HR and speak to them directly. They'll often tell you, okay, you've got to email them um, a CV, but you've got to keep pushing. Like if you really want to get a good position, you've got to get out there yourself and you've really got to um, go for it. If you want to go for it alone and you're going to speak to, you know, I'm perhaps doing myself a bit of, um, um, how can I say, I'm perhaps shooting myself in the foot here, but really, you know, if you've got, if you've got the time and you've, you know, you can pick up the phone and you can call them yourself and get to know more requirements because you could speak to, you know, 100 recruiting agents and they'll be telling you to go into X, Y, Z job. Yeah, but yeah. really, you've got to find something that fits you, you know. So I, I'd say independence is one tip I'd give. Um, a lot of due diligence, um, which you mm. should do first. Due diligence and what you're looking for. And third of all, what I'd really suggest is if there's a job fair or there's an opportunity to meet them face to face, that is yeah. the most powerful encounter you can have. If you have the opportunity to go meet 
the HR or the principals face to face, get yourself down to the local job fair, get yourself down to that event, wherever it may be. And there's there's tons going on in the, in the big cities, including the ones we're organizing. So make use of these events because you never yeah. know, even if you're not looking for a job right now, you can um, you can use the contact details that you've collected or you can stay in touch, get the WeChat and, you know, somewhere down the line, you can say, hey, I'm looking for a new job and perhaps there'll be an opportunity there. So um, that was quite a long winded answer, but I hope that helps. Well, no, I mean, and I think, you know, the key elements, networking and, and, and proactiveness are, are absolutely key. Um, to these great opportunities that the China education market is providing. Now, Jack, uh, we're going to leave. What's your website for your company? Teach them. Teach. Yeah, let, let me uh, let me level it up. So it's teach demi. So www.teachdemi.com, and you spell that T E A C H D E M E. Teachdemi.com, and uh, the job fair is called Amazing China. Okay, good stuff. And uh, people can get in touch. We'll put your we'll put your email on the show notes if anyone wants to get directly in touch with you. Okay, through there. Um, I know you're also on LinkedIn and things like that, but we'll put them directly on the show notes. Funny enough, I was looking at one of the I think it was Search Associates fair they've got coming up. What these big companies yeah. are doing now, you know, but this they're actually doing online job fairs. So teachers from all around the world actually just sit in their home. And they literally can click on a logo and they'll have a face-to-face, say Skype, I mean, it'll be a different uh, software program, but with them with, from their home. I mean, that's just ace, isn't it? I mean, for a world market, yeah, that's wicked. just technology being used at its most. And maybe later on, Teach Them might, might um, do it themselves because China really expanding is a big place. And to, you know, to hop up to Chengdu mm. or Beijing, it's a long way, isn't it, Jack? So it is, something... Yeah. Something to put to your boss uh, on a Monday morning. Um, we've mm-hmm. had a new idea uh, to go technological. Um, Jack, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on. I do hope we can meet face to face in the upcoming uh, Guangzhou Job Fair. Listeners, please check out his website. And uh, yeah, this is really exciting. I'm, I'm, we'll keep in touch and uh, have you mm-hmm. on an, another time, I'm sure, to discuss more about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And thank you very much for having me on board, Chris. I hope, um, I hope what I've said can at least help some people listening and um if you're if you're within china at the moment and you're looking to um perhaps look at new opportunities please feel free to get registered for our amazing china job fairs it's completely free and um, i'll be there too so if you want to come and meet me face to face uh, you're very welcome to do so and chris i'm definitely going to see you in guangzhou you send that limousine for me mr jack <laughs> um, yeah, n- nice one buddy you said in true Perfect. sales marketing fashion well done and uh, as always this is china jedi people good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.